The following Knowledge at Warden podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Additional support for this podcast comes from Wharton Executive Education. For more information on Wharton's program, Full Spectrum Innovation Driving Organic Growth, please visit http colon slash slash We've been hearing about technology convergence for quite a while. The blurring of the lines between handheld devices and full-featured personal computers, as well as the merging of PCs and home entertainment systems. Announcements at the Consumer Electronics Show and Apple's Macworld Conference, both held earlier this month, heralded the arrival of a number of products at the center of these convergence trends. Apple's iPhone, introduced at Macworld, brings together the capabilities of a cell phone and an iPod music player, along with features like web browsing and email that are associated with personal computers. At Macworld, Apple CEO Steve Jobs also demonstrated Apple TV, formerly known as iTV, which allows users to play the movies and TV shows they download from iTunes on their big-screen TVs. But are companies like Apple hitting the right notes? Do consumers really want all these features, or is this technology in search of a market? In the following interview, Wharton marketing professor Pete Fader discusses Apple's latest moves with Knowledge at Wharton technology editor Kendall Whitehouse and senior editor Steve Guglielmi. Pete, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Many are comparing Apple's entry into the cellular phone business to the introduction of the iPod. But is the situation similar, or is Apple facing a very different market? Apple's facing a very different market. Uh, it's, it's a market that's uh, far more mature than the, the MP3 player market was at the time. Uh, it's a far more sophisticated customer base. Uh, uh, Apple had the opportunity to go into the MP3 market and basically reshape that market and create the standard for, uh, for customers' tastes and preferences. Those things have already been done by the, the, the myriad players in the cell phone market. Uh, Apple can do a very limited amount of, of reshaping. Uh, and I think that when this phone actually hits the market, uh, some of the, the grand visions that, that Steve Jobs has, as, as well as some of the, the, the uh, Apple zealots, uh, are, are going to be rather disappointed. The iPhone has a lot of cool features. Are there too many? And is the price, starting at $500, too high? Well, it's not going to be too high for the first uh, you know, few hundred thousand people who just have to have it. You could charge them anything, and they'll, they'll, they'll pay anything. But for the mass market, if they really want to uh, create something uh, that's anywhere close to, to what the iPod did, uh, uh, it, it is very expensive. Uh, and I think on the feature side... Uh, it doesn't really have that many features. In fact, it's missing some really, really important features. Uh, what it has for it is just a really cool design factor. And that's not enough to, to – it, it's going to help differentiate themselves from the other phones out there, but it's not going to be enough to, to really be a, a winning entry. What other features would you imagine it should include? Well, one of the things that it must include is a keypad. Uh, I think uh, uh, it's very important for people, to, for people to be able to type or at least text message uh, and to be able to do that just on the screen instead of having actual keys is going to be very disappointing. There's a lot of people who just won't even give it a try uh, because of, of, of the absence of that. And then there's just some of the, the lack of integration with Outlook and, and other uh, standard uh, bits of software uh, that, that are becoming quite common with so many phones today. Do you think consumers are tired of juggling multiple devices, though? 
Does the iPhone at least address that problem? I don't think it does. I think about how many people right now are carrying around an iPod and a BlackBerry or a Treo. Uh, and it, it is, this kind of falls in between the two. In some sense, it's not as simple. It's not as small as an iPod. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a bigger iPod, but not necessarily a better one. And while it does function as a phone, it does lack some features, as we just mentioned. So I think that the people, the, the, the large number of people who are in that, uh, that modality uh, are not going to have their needs satisfied here. What do you expect the rest of the cell phone market to do? Will they move up market? Will they add these features and try and leap over the iPhone? Will they try and come in underneath with less expensive phones? What should everybody else do? At this point, it's, it's a wait and see. Uh, I think at this point, uh, people can't react very quickly to, to some of the features, like some of the browser features on the new phone seem to be fantastic. And so we'll see some companies trying to knock those things off. But I think they're going to wait to see uh, once the phone actually comes to market uh, and see what kind of people adopt it and, uh, and, and how much price sensitivity there, there is or isn't. I do think, though, that it does open up the high end, whatever that means, and we will see uh, other phones, uh, uh, other companies trying to stake out that high end, perhaps with a very different phone, but, uh, but realizing that there are some people willing to pay uh, for, for things that, uh, that they might not otherwise have done. If it does open up the high end, are there other companies that will benefit from that? I'm thinking of companies like Adobe Systems that makes a development environment for high-end phones that's fairly popular in Japan but hasn't caught on as big in places like the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fair to say. You'll, you'll see software firms like that, and you'll see uh, on the hardware side uh, so, some of the companies that are in some sense trying to compete with the iPod these days, like Samsung uh, they're already uh, uh, edging around on the high end, and I think we'll see them push up uh, even a little bit higher. And that's great. I think it's good to give customers a wide variety. I think that the, the market is an interesting point right now, or just as it's maturing, uh, you're going to see just lots of diversity in the high end and the low end. And so it's, it's important to give people uh, the opportunities uh, up there. But it's important to keep in mind that up there is going to be a, a very small niche, and even though they'll make a lot of money on each one of these phones that they sell, it's still going to have a, a very small impact, probably even smaller than the 1% that, that uh, Steve Jobs and others have been talking about. What about iPhone's uh, use of Singular's edge network? Do you think it's dangerous for Apple to align itself with one network? Well, it's, it's not only unusual for, uh, for Apple to be so strongly aligned with, with an outside firm, but it's a firm that, that completely lacks the cool factor. Uh, and if anything, uh, Singular is, is being much derided for the, the slowness of that network uh, compared to Verizon. I don't think that that's a big deal. I think Singular is a big, credible player. They're going through a lot of change. I think a lot of good ones right now. They do have a, a new network right around the corner. And even though the first iPhone won't be able to use it, I think that's, uh, let's say, six months after it's released. I, I think that that will be something relatively easy to fix. Do you feel that consumers would be apt to switch networks even if, uh, you know, you don't have to pay that $150 penalty to do so? <laughs> there will be some. Uh, again, that gets back to the price insensitivity. They, they, they're going to pay, let's say, $1,000 for over the overall switching cost of buying the phone and switching and getting the new contract and all that. And they're doing that largely for social status. Uh, and, and at that point, uh, a price doesn't really mean anything. So I, I don't think the network issue is, is a big deal at all. At Macworld, Apple also previewed Apple TV, formerly known as ITV, which lets consumers send iTunes video to their large screen TV sets. Will this be what makes Apple's iTunes as successful for TV as it has been for downloading audio? 
I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the initial reactions to, to ITV or Apple TV, depending on who you ask, have been pretty negative uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gets back to the old problem that Apple doesn't like to play nicely with others, so it's a very restrictive format. And the other kinds of formats that people like to use, like DivX, for instance, uh, just aren't going to be supported. Another problem is that uh, one of the great things about the iPod, uh, watching video on the iPod, was, was the compression that they used to make it relatively quick to be able to bring those videos down to a small device. Now you're going to take those highly compressed videos and try to bring them up to a big device, and they're going to look terrible. And Apple, at this point, hasn't done a, a good job of supporting uh, some of the, the, the high definition and, and, and say, that the 1080 standard that, that many people are looking at. So there's going to be a lot of disappointment there. Of course, consumers aren't really aware of that, but they're going to find out the hard way that things don't look as good when they're projected. Uh, so so, the, so there's an issue of supply and demand. On the supply side, uh, it doesn't look like the device is going to have all the features and functions that people would like. And on the demand side, people don't really need this thing. This kind of technology in different forms has been around for a while, and it, there hasn't been a huge uptake for it. Uh, I think it, it's it's a niche kind of thing, uh, and some of those niches are being satisfied quite well by the Xbox 360 and Slingbox have done pretty well. So, so Apple's coming in pretty late with a product that's in many ways inferior to those two. On January 15th, Netflix um, announced plans to deliver streaming video content to their subscribers. Uh, this is a different business model than the download-to-own model of iTunes or the YouTube-based free-with-advertising model. Is this a better model for delivering premium films to the home? Well, I think in general, the subscription model is a, is a better way for people to obtain content, especially digital content. One of the big reasons for success for Netflix, and I've said it over and over and over in, in Knowledge of Warden, is just that, the subscription model. People pay whatever, $15, $18 a month. They might not be using that much content, but they're very happy to pay for it. So it fits in very well with that. Uh, it, this is not a big deal. This is more or less a, it's a, it's a bit of PR. It's a competitive necessity for Netflix to, to have a, a toe in that space and to try to compete a little bit more with, with what's been going on at Blockbuster. But at least it's consistent with, with their strategy so far. Uh, and I think, it's, it's as I said, this by itself isn't going to create huge profits, but it might uh, stem defections from the Netflix customer base. Since this content is being streamed to the PC, you've got this problem again of you can't watch it on your home theater system. Would uh, Netflix have been smart to partner with someone like Apple TV or Microsoft to bring the content to consumers' large screens? I don't think that's out of the question right now. I, I, I think Netflix has worked well with other firms, and, and uh, I honestly don't know what kind of business development conversations are having uh, are, are going on right now. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened in the same way it worked with, with Walmart, where someone who was a competitor ends up endorsing and working with them. So I could see firms coming to Netflix to say, let's do this together. Again, it might not happen today, tomorrow. doesn't really matter if it does. I think by the time consumers really want to, really expect to be able to, to bring movies yeah. on a TV, uh, I think the market will change between now and then. And it's going to be a while. Let's come back to Apple now. If you were Steve Jobs, what would you do next? It's very hard to say. He, he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant man, uh, but, but he's, uh, of course, very mercurial. He's unpredictable. He's very private. Uh, I, I think, uh, for instance, the, the, the name change uh, caught some people as a surprise. Uh, I, I don't think that's a, a – it's not a, a huge move, but I don't think it's a good move at all. Uh, so he has all kinds of things up his sleeve. 
Uh, I, I go back to the subscription model. I absolutely believe that at one point he will eat his words from five, six years ago and move to a subscription model. I think the iPhone would have been a good opportunity to do that. Uh, but it's not just a matter of business models for him. It's it's devices, it's coolness, it's it's keeping that factor that that right away uh, uh, people pay attention to Apple on uh, whatever they announce, no matter how good or bad it really is. Why do you think the name change was not a good idea? Well, for one thing, it's admission of defeat. Uh, uh, the, one of the ideas of the iPod was to to, uh, to to eventually port people over to the Macintosh, uh, that that it would, it would show people that, hey, I can work with one of these Apple devices. Maybe I'll take the bigger bite. And that hasn't worked. Uh, it's, it's made uh, no difference at all. And it's very important to realize that the Mac is still a huge piece of Apple's business. Uh, and it's quite surprising uh, what wasn't announced at Macworld, which was anything about the Mac. Uh, as far as I know, there were no announcements about the Mac. That that really is the bread and butter of the company, and it's a signal that they're not going to be developing or supporting it as much as they used to. That would be a big mistake. I mean, you may draw a contrast with IBM, International Business Machines. They're not making or selling business machines anymore, but they're still very deeply committed to that business and finding other ways to help customers meet needs when they're dealing with so-called business machines. Apple seems to be moving away from it, and they're becoming kind of a cute, cool gadget company. And oh, by the way, they have a few computers over there as well. But if the name change indicates the move into the consumer product space, isn't that market much larger than the PC market? Uh, they're both very competitive markets, and so it's hard to say whether they're better off in one versus another. You look at there's plenty of firms in the consumer electronics space that are struggling. Uh, so I, I, I don't really know if it's a move to or a move away from. Um, uh, and again, it's not a, a, a huge, important, big deal. But, but the, the signal or lack of signal about what's going on with the Mac uh, by itself, I think, uh, matters quite a bit. Any final advice for Apple or any other PC company that's trying to transition into the home entertainment business? Absolutely. Uh, make customers happy. Give them what they want. Uh, and that, that means to Apple, uh, open up the systems, uh, try to accommodate other formats, try to work with other firms. Uh, that's really, really important. And when you constrain people, uh, when, when you tell people, we can give you anything you want, but here are the limitations on it, uh, that's going to be a real limit to a firm's uh, growth and success. Great. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Thank you. Always a pleasure. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.